You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. This is Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, and right here for the Locked On LSU podcast. Ed Ogeron was on 60 Minutes. We have a number 7 and 18 jerseys that have been awarded for the 2020 season, but let me begin. I would be remiss if I did not on this Monday begin by saying, congratulations, you made it to game week. LSU, Mississippi State, Saturday, 2.30, Death Valley, CBS, we got SEC football, the defending champs are on the field Saturday in Tiger Stadium. And damn, does it feel good to say that after this long and tumultuous offseason, after watching other schools play for the last two or, in some cases, three weeks, after watching some schools cancel or postpone games, the uncertainty about the SEC and the rest of the Power Five, the uncertainty about attendance, and the general uncertainty in life right now in a really weird 2020 It's a Monday, a rainy Monday in Baton Rouge, but that's irrelevant because we are five days away from fighting Tiger football in Tiger Stadium, and that is awesome. So let's get you a first look here at LSU and Mississippi State. As the week goes along, of course, we'll delve deeper. Uh, Later today, Monday, Ed Ogeron will have his weekly press luncheon. Now, normally that takes place in person at the Lawton Room this week and probably for this year. All of that will be done virtually via Zoom. So on tomorrow's episode, we'll let you know how Ed Ogeron breaks down his opponent and the Tigers' opponent. But a couple of things to know about this Mississippi State squad. Uh, LSU comes into this game a 19-point favorite on the early line, so just under three touchdowns. LSU's a favorite over the Bulldogs. We've talked so much about LSU this offseason and what they lost, but it is a completely different Mississippi State team. Of course, Mike Leach comes in as the head coach coming in from Washington State, and they're going to have a new quarterback. Keaton Thompson transferred to Virginia. Garrett Schrader, who was a freshman a year ago, who's probably most known for getting helicoptered in the air, he's moved to receiver. And, of course, Tommy Stevens was drafted by the New Orleans Saints. So enter K.J. Costello. K.J. Costello was a starting quarterback at Stanford for the better part of three seasons. He has a grad transfer now follows Mike Leach from the Pac-12 to the SEC. Uh, Costello certainly is someone that Leach has a lot of familiarity with him, playing against him every year there in the Pac-12. So Mike Leach and his air raid offense are going to spread it out. They're going to throw it a ton. But it's odd because really Mississippi State's best option isn't a receiver, it's a running back. Kylan Hill is back. He turned down the NFL after rushing for more than 1,300 yards and 10 scores. He also caught 18 passes a year ago. Coming back this year would certainly help Kylan Hill, theoretically, in the passing game, increase those statistics in Mike Leach's offense, which might make him a more versatile back and a more appealing player for the NFL at the next level. The offense is something that I think everyone in the SEC is going to have to adjust to, what Mike Leach is going to bring into the league with the air raid. The defense, of course, had an epic defense in 2018 with all of that talent, including Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat. Well, last year in 2019, the defense took a step back but was still pretty good. 
This year, they lose five of their top seven tacklers. So they're remaking the defensive side of the ball largely as well. They do have Errol Thompson back, who's their leading tackler. Uh, they've lost Willie Gay uh, to the NFL, but they do return ends Marquis Spencer and Kobe Jones and a, a JUCO transfer in Jordan Davis, who's kind of the hybrid linebacker, and just a couple of the names to keep an eye on. Um, the defensive tackles, you've got Fabian Lockett and Nathan Pickering. Uh, they're going to be the guys in the middle, even though you lost both of your starter, starters, uh, and Lee Autry certainly is gone as well. So they lost some production from a year ago, a lot of production, five of their top seven tacklers, but they've recruited well on that side of the ball, and it's going to be interesting to watch that transformation considering Mike Leach's teams traditionally don't play an awful lot of defense, and that was you know, a really tough secondary a year ago but you're replacing your top tacklers, Dequarius Landrews and Brian Coles. Uh, you have some young corners who took their lumps a year ago, and C.J. Morgan's back. He's good tackling safety. Um, and you also got Marcus Murphy back there at corner as well, uh, who was kind of on, and on again, off again a year ago with injuries. But the point is, State on offense, brand new. Defense, they lose top five of their top seven guys, but still have a ton of talent, even still coming into Baton Rouge a 19-point favorite on the early line. We'll dive much deeper into this matchup as the week goes along, and I'm very much looking forward to that, just as much as I look forward every day to be able to tell you about Built Bar, builtbar.com, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Find your favorite flavor at builtbar.com. You can buy a box of one flavor. You can mix and max uh, match a box. You can build your own. You can bundle boxes. There's 18 bars that you could try your favorite flavor, some with nuts, some without nuts. These bars are gluten-free. It's a great way to get that dose of protein that you need, protein-packed bars that taste like candy bars. Find your favorite today if it's salted caramel. My favorite is the orange. It's basically an orange flavor of filling over a chocolate protein bar. They've got the mint brownie, the double chocolate. My wife loves the raspberry. She's got two boxes of them at our house right now. Find your favorite flavor today at builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on at checkout to save $10 off your next order at builtbar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Late Friday, LSU made their special jersey number announcements. Uh, Jacoby Stevens, who returns for his senior year at safety, will don the number seven, which was left vacant by Jamar Chase. And we'll have two number 18s again this year. On the offensive side of the ball, it'll be running back Chris Curry. And on the defensive side, linebacker Damone Clark. So something that we hinted about a, a, a few weeks ago was some of the rumblings were that one of the linebackers, either Damone Clark or Jabril Cox might wear the 18. The consensus, the feeling among fans, was that it was going to be Jacoby Stevens. And I guess it's worth pointing out that you know Jack Marucci, the training staff, and the former 18 wearers are the ones who ultimately make that decision. 
A year ago, you had two 18s. You had Lloyd Cushenberry on offense and Caleb on Chasson on defense. Um, and both obviously proved to be very worthy of the honor. I guess LSU's going to an offense and a defensive recipient every year. It seems to be how they're going to proceed. Listen, my feeling on it generally, and we've talked about this enough, that I really don't care about jersey numbers. I, I don't. My, my feeling, honestly, is I would rather make that number mean something. Like, Der people thought Derek Stingley might get seven. I'd rather see Derek Stingley stay in 24. Be the person who makes 24 mean something. Before a year ago, nine never really meant anything in the annals of LSU history. It does now after the season Joe Burrow had. You know, Billy Cannon made 20 what it is. So, you listen, if guys want to change their number, that's fine. I really don't care about a jersey number. To me, it's all irrelevant. But I would say two things that are impactful. One, if it means something to the players, then it's worth it. It doesn't matter what I think or what you think or what anybody thinks. If the players see it as a see it as a reward, if Jacoby Stevens feels he's got to elevate his play to honor the sevens who came before him, and if Curry and Clark look at wearing 18 as a badge of honor and another way for them to ratchet up their leadership in the program, awesome. It's not for me or for you or for the fans or for anybody but the guys on that team. If they see it as an honor, that's awesome. If that's going to elevate their play, that's one. The other thing I would say which is most encouraging is when you look at the two guys that are wearing the jersey, the 18, Chris Curry and Damone Clark, you're talking about two positions that after this past season where you lose Clyde Edwards-Elair and then you lose your top four linebackers, those were gigantic question marks for LSU. And Ed Ogeron, when he met with the media last week, said point blank, the most impressive group, position group on the team has been his running backs on offense and the linebackers on defense. And this sort of speaks to that. I think whenever you come into this year and you're wondering which of the running backs are going to step up, the fact that Chris Curry is wearing the 18 kind of tells you what you need to know. And we got sort of the, the glimpse into this when our friend Jeffrey Marks wrote that feature on Joe Burrow and Ed Ogeron and their relationship uh, earlier this, this uh, spring. And one of the things that was most memorable that he said, that he wrote about, was when Clyde edwards Elair was injured for the Peach Bowl, it was Joe Burrow who went to the coaches and lobbied for Chris Curry to be able to get that start, not one of the young guys. If Joe Burrow's lobbying for you, that speaks volumes about you, and that speaks volumes about Chris Curry and the leadership role he's likely going to play on this LSU team. Similarly, when you lose Jacob Phillips, 100-tackle guy, when you lose Patrick Queen, a first-rounder, when you lose Caleb Alchasson, a first-rounder, when you lose Divinity, who was a fifth-year senior, who was obviously on again, off again, but when he was on the field was such a big impact guy, when you lose your top four guys of a year ago and now your top guy coming in is a grad transfer, you're going to need guys who have been on campus to step up. And this looks like it's Damone Clark's year to do just that. Physically, he absolutely looks the part of, of a 100-tackle guy, and Cox and Clark in the middle could be an amazing tandem. Now, listen, we've seen this before at LSU. I mean, Deion Jones only started his senior year and was a 100-tackle guy and was a third-round pick of the, the Falcons. Same with Duke Riley, who only started his senior year, became a starter, became a draft pick of the Falcons, now is with the Philadelphia Eagles. Damone, Patrick Queen, a year ago, he was a special teams guy, finally got a start because really of injury and then never looked back. 
the same could be true for Damone Clark this year. This could be his year to shine and then ultimately graduate to the NFL. But because you needed something to stabilize that position, adding Jabril Cox is massive, but having Damone Clark step up his game to be that leading tackler, that one-two punch with Cox, similar to what LSU's had in the past with guys like Brady James and Trev Falk side-by-side. Maybe this tandem could be similar to that. I'm not saying you're going to have an All-American, 150-tackle guy, you know, single greatest season in LSU history, but what I am saying is you could have that dynamic tandem in the interior of the defense, which Bo Pelini needs and has had with these defenses. Remember Derry Beckwith. Remember Ali Highsmith. Maybe that's Jabril Cox and now Damone Clark as well. Don't sleep on Micah Baskerville, another guy in the interior of that defense there uh, at linebacker, who they're very high on elevating. But we now know the, the uh, special jersey numbers. Jacoby Stevens, number seven, and there will be two 18s, Chris Curry and Damone Clark. Uh, Ed Ogeron spent part of his weekend watching himself on 60 Minutes. Not every day that the news magazine show would feature a football coach, but they did this weekend. If you miss it, I'll give you some reaction to it when we return. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. There's an old saying, to the victor go the spoils, and I suppose if you're Ed Ogeron and you win a national championship in the most emphatic fashion possible, you're going to draw a lot of attention. And Ed won basically every National Coach of the Year award a season ago. And now he finds himself featured on 60 Minutes. The CBS News Magazine show aired on Sunday and featured LSU's Ed Ogeron. And the entire package ran about 13 minutes, and it was magnificent. It covered Ed's background, his Cajun heritage. They interviewed his mother, Coco Ogeron. They talked about his coaching career, uh, his battle with alcoholism and kicking that, being sober for 20 years, and how he has turned himself from a once-failed head coach at Ole Miss to a passed-over coach at USC to now the best coach in college football a year ago, piloting the greatest season in college football history. So they talked about a lot of different things. One of the things we got a sneak peek of is the power hour, which we've heard Ed talk about when the entire staff is on the phone, passing phones, making phone calls to recruits. And you can understand when you see this, the frenetic pace of it, why he is so maniacal about recruiting. What's power hour? You're laughing. <laughs> I love power hour, man. Hey, you know, it, it, it's a lot of energy, man, and those phones are blowing up, and I get to talk. The other day, we, in 30 minutes, we talked to 31 recruits. Why is it important? You know, it's constant contact with these young people nowadays. Before, you could call them once a week, but if you don't call them every day, you don't text them every day, you don't send a message every day, sometimes two or three times a day, they think they, you forgot them. Someone says no. What's your, what's your play? I'm going to find a way. No, not today, but I'm going to find a way. You're going to get that kid to LSU. He's going to have to tell me no about a thousand times. One time ain't enough. There was that glimpse. There was also a humanizing glimpse of Ed Ogeron, which so many people understand. You're, if you're in Baton Rouge or you love LSU, you followed Ed Ogeron, but if you only casually notice when LSU plays a game and you see this big hulking man on the sideline, you may not know Ed Ogeron well, but he did address not getting the USC job and the stereotypes against him. Despite his success as an interim coach for USC, he was denied the full-time job. You want to hear the story I heard? What was it? Players loved you, the fans loved you, the coaches loved you, and the high-ups said, we need the kind of guy who's got golf clubs in his trunk. Exactly right. 
I'm not a country club guy. You think where you're from, even your your accent, yes. influenced that decision? For sure, no question. What are some of the stereotypes or misconceptions people might have about Cajun population? Dumb, uh, not worthy, not worldly. Certainly putting a lot of those stereotypes to bed and to rest with the success that he's having as LSU's football coach. And he also talked about being outspoken, about wanting football amid the COVID pandemic. And you've been outspoken. You want there to be football this yes. fall. Yes, yes. I think football is good for everybody. I've seen them practice, not get sick. I've seen them get sick last couple of days and come back, you know, to have their 10-day quarantine. But I asked them how sick were you? They said, Coach, I had a little cough. So I think that the young players, when they do get sick, get over it quick. Have you come to grips with the idea that there might not be football this fall? Yeah, I don't let it enter my mind. Don't even think about it? No. I, and, but I know, I know it could happen. I know at LSU, we prepared these guys to play. We didn't blink. We're ready. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch the entire feature, I would highly recommend you go find it online and watch it. It's all over social media or if you can go to the CBS website and watch uh, the 60 Minutes interview with that Ogeron. But the bottom line is you, you can't buy exposure like that. When a there are people in college football circles that know who Ed Ogeron is, obviously, if you're a college football fan. But the, the demographic that's going to watch 60 Minutes may not identify themselves as college football fans or LSU fans. That's why when you have an opportunity to do a, an interview and a feature like that with the audience and the reach that a show like 60 Minutes has, it only broadens your brand to an audience that maybe isn't familiar with you. And that is invaluable. So not only for LSU, not only for Ed Ogeron, but for LSU football, but also for Louisiana State University. So uh, it's a great job, great feature by 60 Minutes. If you have a chance, go check it out. Uh, throughout this week, we will certainly lead you right up to LSU and Mississippi State on Saturday. As we mentioned, Ed Ogeron meets with the media today, Monday. So on tomorrow's episode, we'll let you hear what Ed had to say as he previews game week, finally here. And we'll be here with you all season long. Locked on LSU. If you've not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate that greatly. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day.